From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in high-class, low-rent Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this roundtable episode, our topics are your nice host's future projects, reaction to Steam Direct, and racing games. And so, everyone's ready. Let's start. <laughs> so good. I guess we should, uh, people, maybe they listen to the song at the end of the show, but maybe we should do one where we don't talk over the front. Oh. <laughs> or just one where you sing it. <laughs> just an all singing, all dancing episode. <laughs> maybe. We just don't introduce anything and we just hear the theme song and then we just start. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of news items coming up. It's, we're recording this the week prior to E3. Yes. Kind of excited about that oh, coming yeah. up, right? A little news. Cool. And yeah, that'd be cool. As, as a gamer, it's kind of cool to get the, the little, you know, the big AAA things from high on the mountaintop. That stuff's fun. Yeah. Right? And yeah. there's going to be a thing at Glitch for everybody to watch it um, through IGDA Twin Cities. That's right. We did a little viewing party. So if you're local, uh, check that out. Although uh, that probably would have happened. We would have already checked it out. Oh, yeah. See, this is Calum the well, man. <laughs> Strikes again. <laughs> Well, we I enjoyed hope you guys have, you, then, if yeah. that was the case. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I'll tweet something out about it. Yeah. Yeah. A little clubhouse business. Um, more speaking of uh, business. Ah, events. yes. Community events. Um, so I am the, uh, what's, the, what's my official title? I don't community, know. The community manager, I think. Uh, something like that. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we've recently opened up more days to have community events here at Glitch. So we're looking for more people. Uh, and more events. So if you are interested, please let me know. You can find me on the Slack. Um, I think we should post a link on Slack on, on, the, on the show notes or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or you could just find me on Twitter or. Now, when you say you want people, do you mean people to show up and have fun? Oh, that would be awesome. You but, should do that. Yeah. But also, we're looking for people to host the community events. What does that involve? So uh, it's not it's not as involved a process as you would think it is. All you got to do is meet with me. and We can chat about like what kind of an event you want. But uh, all we ask is that you come in like 15 or 30 minutes early to set it up and then um, you host um, whatever kind of event you want. We're looking for a lot of like uh, workshop events or some some just, you know, some fun events, too. So right now we have uh, like Tabletop Tuesday where yeah. people come play board games, but also play test their board games. Yes. We have play test itself, which yep. play test any type of work. We have StoryForge, which yeah. uh, people do narrative workshopping. Yeah. So I've recently made a, a new uh, event called Dungeons and Dragons Thursdays. Yeah, uh, those are really <laughs> those are going to be really fun. I guess the first one will have happened by the time this episode is out. But like, yeah, so those kinds of things. Uh, yeah, it 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 it, it um, there's a wide variety of things. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, please let me know. Uh, you can find me on the Slack or on Twitter or Facebook or come to Glitch or whatever. Just yeah. Fill out the feedback form and Fill put out it the feedback form as <laughs> an option. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you all, guys. Nicegames.club slash feedback. Okay. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, other news coming up. When this episode airs, I think, I never know, <laughs> uh, there will be an event, event coming up shortly. Martha, right? Yeah. Um, so my dad uh, used to make video games uh, back in the day, back on the ColecoVision. Um, which is super cool. Yeah. And um, so he is going to do a talk at IGDA Twin Cities um, all about the ColecoVision. And if hopefully if everything works out, um, he'll have a uh, ColecoVision machine there and 
hopefully we'll be able to get it hooked up to the to the projector system and show you all some of the games he made. Yeah, that's so nice. cool. <laughs> I have not been able to make it to the uh, last couple months of IGGA meetings, and I've been really sad about that. I know, but you know, <laughs> for this one in particular, I really I cannot miss. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds so much fun. That so, will be so amazing. that should be uh, if if the schedule goes as planned, that'll be the July meeting. So we'll put the the link in the show notes uh, for that. Uh, yeah. 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 Stuff. Yeah. Super excited, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of fun topics today. Steven, you want to get us started? Yeah. Um, I'm here to talk about future projects that, you know, you want to work on, but you, you're busy with your own stuff you're working on now. So, you know, <laughs> I've been working on Fingence uh, uh-huh. for three years now. Um, and you, there's, there's sometimes when you, you know, you're in the bathroom or you're about to go to bed, just you, you think, think about future projects. Yeah. That you kind of want to work on. Right. And you're like, oh, this would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe on your commute to work or whenever you start tooling around with different ideas, mm-hmm. concepts and stuff, before you know that, you, 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 you've, you've given up on your old project and you're going to do things. No, no, hopefully not that. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like, sometimes I, I have ideas of games that I would like to work on in the future, but I just am not, I'm not right now capable of working on a new game. So I'll tool around with it in my head or maybe type up a couple of things um, when I have free time do it but i i know i'm not gonna be able to work on this project for a little while but it's just something that i can tool around yeah and you know amongst ourselves it's fun to talk these things out yeah like our brainstorming so we'll sort of letting our listeners in on a little bit of our own process like what we daydream about (laughs) before we (laughs) shake ourselves loose and get back to work yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got some feedback on reddit uh recently someone uh said like they really just wanted to hear more about our own work and uh, that's the kind of feedback that surprised me a little bit Mm. um but uh, but this is going to help to do that so Hopefully, this will uh, give you some context and you'll enjoy it. Maybe yeah. we'll do more things like this Yeah, uh, going forward. But let's get started. Yes. Okay. So, I have a couple of projects that are I've been thinking about recently. I haven't thought about this one in particular fairly recently, but um, I, I guess I would call it the Mage of the Night. It would be, I think I've talked about it a little bit on the show in the past. You've alluded to it. I've alluded to it, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, so the Mage of the Night would be a cooperative uh, game where you and another person would play as either the major or the knight, and um, you would. Uh, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it does, uh, <laughs> and you would get through. Um, there is no mage in the game. It's oh. only the knight. <laughs> no, no. There's a wizard, but not a not a mage. <laughs> we joke here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so yeah, you you're cooperating to get through a, um, I guess a castle. I'm not exactly sure on all the mm-hmm. story details because future project I don't have to worry about that yeah but <laughs> um but like uh what, what the goal of this thing is really i want to i want two players who are playing the game to find out more about their relationship in a way. so the way they cooperate between one another mm-hmm. um hopefully would in some way teach teach the two players about themselves um, i'm not exactly sure how to go about it but i feel like the way that i uh, the way that i'm thinking about it it could work so like the mage would be maybe would have like range attacks or something Knight would have melee attacks, and maybe the knight has the ability to block like enemy attacks or whatever. And mm-hmm. The mage can like support him by um, enchanting the knight's uh, sword to be a flame sword or something. I'm not I'm not exactly sure on all the details, mm-hmm. but like I really I really um, I'm really interested in that kind of an idea of like being able to to uh, to find out more about yourself and another person through the game. Yeah, and I think this is goes back to some of the things we've talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in your uh, game design primer, which is when you're sort of 
coming with a new idea, like the, the heart of it is like what you want the players to feel right. and w- what you want them to get out of it. Yeah. Less so the genre or the mechanics of the style. And so it's interesting to hear, to, to hear you spin your wheels on a concept starting from that sort of core feeling and then kind of not knowing exactly how it's going to work in any way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but, but staying true to that and like, yeah. and you'll know it when you see it. Right. Yeah. And you'll, you'll test different ideas and, That'll be the metric by which you judge. Is this right for this project? Mm-hmm. Is does it get closer to that thing? Yeah. So it should help you focus. Right. You right. Yep. Yep. I have a the the main like the main feeling concept. I guess is like trust, uh, trust mm. between your, you and your other character or your other player. Um, so I'm gonna focus on that whenever I get to working on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> well, it's like we were talking about with Blaine, and, and if you guys listened to that episode. Um, but serial game design, so it's like thinking about these things helps you work on your main project too. Yeah, 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 it totally does. It certainly gives you motivation to finish the thing you're working on. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, once you have the maturity to not abandon the thing you're working yeah. on, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the the other uh, game concept I had is called Sledgehammer Bride. I love that title. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's so I don't know how I came up with this concept. I must have just been in a car or something. Just had nothing to do with it, and it came into my head. Um, but anyways, you play as a uh, you play as a woman who is literally about to get married. Actually, in in, in fact, this is kind. Of, I, I think I maybe have watched Wreck It Ralph recently. That's why I think. Of it. But mm-hmm. you're literally about to get married, and then uh, the, the your fiance gets taken by demons, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> and so that old yarn, right, yeah. And so you immediately go go into action, and you start beating up on the demons, and you find a sledgehammer, and then you. Uh, use it to fight demons that's, that's a really game. good premise yeah that's like awesome <laughs> that could be like a top-down brawler or it could be a side scroller or it could be an rpg the There's way like, i'm the way i'm thinking of that. it is a side scrolling brawler so okay. it'd be similar to what's the name blood rain betrayal i think something like that hmm. um and so like it would it would have the way i was thinking of it is like the battle system would be like you'd have light attacks where uh the the bride is punching and then you'd have your heavy attacks where the, the sledgehammer hit people with the sledgehammer and like that's the main meat of it that would feel like powerful and strong. And I think I'm thinking about making it so that like when you hit someone with your sledgehammer, you get health back. So you want to be encouraged to get those heavy attacks. But because they're slow, you have to you have to time when you're going to do it and figure out the right time to do it or mm. find a weakness in uh, your enemy's um, attacks in order to get it. Mm-hmm. So like maybe you'd have to weaken them with uh, weak attacks before you can hit your get the final hit, and then you could heal back whatever damage you took. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I I think the feeling for this game I've been thinking about recently would be like momentum. So like you're building up momentum so you can hit them with that final super hammer, uh, super heavy attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that fits into the story too because like if the the you know your opening scene is is the end of the game. Right? Yeah, it's the it's the the wedding, and then the end of the game is pushed off. Yeah, and so you need that momentum to get get you know pick up ground you lost almost right. narratively. Yeah, as well. So that would fit into the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that one in particular a lot. Shoot, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, it would take me a long time to make because I, I feel like I want to do it right. So I, I, had to, I had to figure out like what kinds of what kinds of things I want and how, how the attacks would work and things. And it would take a lot, like I need a lot of art assets mm-hmm. and animation in particular because it would be a brawler. So you have to be, yeah. you got to get the right frames and things like that. It's a whole ordeal. But it's <laughs> because it's a future project, I could just sit there and chew on it and go like, oh man, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And I don't have to like take action on it. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You don't have to get play tests even out. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to play test it because there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I could prototype it once or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you guys? Do you have future projects you'd love to work on in the future? You know, as opposed to the past. I think you'd want to work on your future projects in the past. <laughs> Time machine. Yeah. I wish I had started working on future projects yeah. in the past. Because <laughs> then I'd be well into them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> then they'd be present projects. Um, I guess I keep talking about this point and click, and I guess I'm in pre-production of that. Right. Is because I'm not coding anything yet or drawing anything yet, but I'm doing design documents and uh uh mock-ups and stuff mm. like prototypes and stuff. Um paper prototypes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Steven, for, uh, <laughs> for learning me some paper prototypes. Just in time, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, and I guess I've talked about that a little bit on the show before, but I'll just uh, go through it again. Um, the idea is that it would be an adventure um, for built specifically for my two little uh, second cousins, um, Phoebe and Cece, um, and all the other characters would be people based off of people in our family um, and their quirky and wacky personalities. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it'd be a, a point and click adventure where they would be helping the whole family get ready for a uh, festival. They'd be like a, the royal family in this town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and I figured out that the thing that they t- quote all the time is actually from a thing. Yeah. So I can't use what they say. <laughs> and I'm so bummed out because I thought they made it up themselves. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, what would be great is you, you can write something for them and then they can adopt that. Yeah. yeah. That would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. That would be like so cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's the idea so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I've been, because their they're family, they're, that side of the family is half Korean. Um, and so I've, I've been wanting to like have aspects of Korean culture in it too. And I've been trying to figure out how to do that mm-hmm. in a way that's cool and not appropriating things sure, yeah. <laughs> um well, so i think the the personal angle you have i think can get you a, a long way there yeah right? i'm gonna talk a lot to my relatives and be like mm-hmm. what would you want think is important that should be in, in the game yeah. for the kids or whatever mm-hmm. um and i might make i'm thinking because i'm like there's gonna be a lot of personal stuff in it so i'm like and it would be cool to release it to everybody because i've been talking about it so yeah, much yeah. <laughs> um so, like, maybe making two versions, one where, like, the narrative is more general and then oh, one where, like, the narrative is specifically about stuff, events that have happened in our family. So. Oh, I, I always imagine when you talk about it, it, it always seems to me like it would just be heavily based, but, but would be, uh, would be okay. it wouldn't be so inside jokey or so personal as to not be able to be released outside. But you re- you're thinking more really tying it to making it a gift for your family. Um, a little bit, yeah. Well, I've been I've been struggling with that. Yeah, that's been one of the things I've been like back and forth in my head because there's some things that, like some tr- like some things that have happened in, in my family that aren't so great, um, some deaths and stuff like that. And yeah. I, uh, and I think it would be cool to have something that would like tie us back together, sure. a little bit more. And so that's like super personal, and I'm like almost crying now thinking about it. Um, well, it's but, it's an autobiographical work, and I think that's. I don't think you need to be scared of. <laughs> I mean, you may have to work yourself up to it and, and decide what you're comfortable 
saying um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and what you, how you feel about these things and putting it into the work. But I think people, I think that would make it a stronger work for everyone to experience. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 And you can, I mean, of course you can, you can dramatize and, you know, put metaphor and to express your feelings rather than having to make it a, a, a historical document. Necessarily. That's, that's true. It but doesn't have your to family be. family will appreciate that perspective on things that they have something close to tie to. Mm. So I think, I mean, that's a, that's a really good hook that I think a lot of us as game designers, we don't, it's, I mean, they say there are autobiographical games and there are, but there aren't a lot of them. It's not yeah. usually a mode you go in from a narrative perspective, but I think that that gives you a strong uh, drive forward. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that makes me feel more confident about it. <laughs> I mean, while you spent all that time working on that, what were you daydreaming about then? <laughs> right. Uh, oh, man, there's so many game ideas that I have. Um, one is I have a bunch of VR ideas. Um, one is a beekeeping simulator. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of stuff in college about uh, I, I minored in entomology and so uh, and worked in the bee lab um, at the U. And that was really a cool experience. And I think VR has such a uh, possibility for um, train like training and having people experience something that yeah. they have, they might not like. Beekeeping is scary because there are bees flying at you and right. they can sting you and stuff. <laughs> and some people can't do it because they're allergic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be cool to have something that uh, they could experience that and, mm-hmm. and learn more about how bees work because they're super cool. Um, and yeah, and like the dream would be that um, there's like a beekeeping course that people, uh, if you want a backyard beehive, have to take at the U. Mm-hmm. Um, or I wonder if they offer it somewhere else, but I think it's like collaboration between different groups. But um, anyway, it's a certification course to get your beekeeping license thing. Um, and it'd be cool to have some uh, VR experience for people to actually physically do some of the things that they're like lecturing about and yeah. stuff. And they have like little demos where you do it uh, at the U, but it would, I don't know. It'd be cool to have a, have that. In there. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's like the dream, but I don't know. Um, my other VR idea is uh, something's in the wall, <laughs> which is working title. But uh, um, in VR, we've ca- have we talked about this on mic or not? I don't know about on mic. <laughs> I know I've heard about this. I love this idea. <laughs> um, so in oh, many VR games, people just have this natural sense not to go through walls, mm-hmm. but you can. And sometimes I do in games just to see what is behind it. Like some- sometimes game devs like put. Uh, like makes the screen go black if you go through a wall, mm. but like in Job Simulator they don't. So you can just look into the fridge and like look around the <laughs> wall and walk, type, try to break the game and walk through things. And I think it'd be cool to have a game where you like play a ghost or somebody who can walk through walls, um, and then have like little scenes going on behind the walls and have like puzzles you have to solve, um, and like the clues are all hidden behind walls and things. That sounds really cool. Yeah. What's nice is you can leverage a couple of sort of like tried and true game mechanics, uh, like. Uh, sort of point and clicks right and and scavenger hunts and sort of puzzle room kind of scenarios yeah and 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 make it sort of fresh and novel and you can really have lots of twists and surprises and that, that sounds super fun yeah i like that that is a good concept right there <laughs> cool yeah hire me for that i'll help you out. <laughs> awesome man talking to you guys about games is so great because everyone's so nice um <laughs> nice games club nice you guys <laughs> uh yeah and i i other ideas I think would be fun to do a racing game. Uh, we can be talking more about racing games, mm-hmm. um, but I, I 
think it'd be fun to do like a little fun, silly voxel art um, hoverboard racing game. I think that'd be fun. Nice. Um, and then I've had ideas about, because I play Irish music, it'd be fun to do a, a rhythm game based on Irish music or even a game where you learn some tunes and it like has a tin whistle that comes with it and then you have to like it actually will teach you tunes that would be cool oh yeah i always want to make a um a game that was like based on jazz and improvisation mm-hmm. like i don't i don't know how i would go about doing it but i just want people to be able to experience like the free-flowing feeling of jazz music um through game playing which i don't know I, like i said i don't know how to do it i didn't think about it a lot well i know there's lots of um there's a sort of a history of software that has like, uh, you know, like visualization software. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's types where you can, you know, you can, you can uh, uh, plug your own guitar or your, you know, uh, keyboard or even on your computer keyboard mm-hmm. um, to trigger those. And then those, those are sort of toys or art pieces. Um, something like, like a format like that might work really cool. Yeah, maybe. You could, even with just a game controller, you could like map it, you know, you could, you could stay on key by design. <laughs> yeah. And it could be something to the, uh, it, you know, rather than perform jazz, but to experience jazz, right? To the, that could something like that might work. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be cool. I guess I'm still thinking VR. So, like, because <laughs> that's I want everything in VR. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of VR, I see here. Yeah, you've got a couple listed here in VR. Talk, tell, tell us about them. Okay, so the first, the main thing I've been thinking, it's really distracting me a lot because um, I, I've talked about on the show before that I. I I spent all last year like toying with VR. Yeah. But uh, being really good about not going too deep into it. And when I say really good, I mean like kind of bad because now I feel like I wasted a year uh-huh. like not building my <laughs> VR game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the right decision. But um, so I'm, I'm always thinking about what my big VR project is going to be once Metro Nexus is completed. And um, the, the, the concept I have is based on um, the fact that uh, the, the Oculus touch controllers have joysticks, mm-hmm. right? So um, one of the things that it was very interesting is when the... Um, the Oculus came out and the Vive came out at the same time. And the Vive has these um, touch pads on the wands, right? Uh, nobody, no developer uses them for literally anything. Hmm. They're, I mean, not, not to say that they're like a bad piece of hardware, although they're kind of a bad piece of hardware. <laughs> but like, it's, they're not conducive to design. Like, people just basically use the triggers. And that's fine. Most VR requires grabbing, pointing, you know, clicking. And that's good. But it means that you don't have any kind of, um, you can't really control machinery or interact with things that, that, that are more complicated than that because there's no haptics on mm-hmm. the virtual objects. You just have the, the physical objects in your hand. And the, the, the Vive ones in particular don't do a lot. And neither do the PlayStation Move controllers. There's just not a lot there that you can leverage uh, to, to make a metaphor in the game. So, uh, the, the, but the Oculus Touch controllers do. They have two joysticks on them. So well, I always wanted to do something where you, have a, it's a, you control a third-person avatar um, so it's a it's a third person game in yep. VR, which has been done before using game pads, right? Okay. But the thing I want to do also is that these are fully uh, motion tracked hand controllers. So the you, you can move, you can strafe and move your VR character, and then your head and arm positions through inverse kinematics can control the arm positions of the avatar. So that's 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 the basic mechanical concept that I always had. And so from that, I wanted to have this the sort of idea of this relationship you had to this this character that that would be. A, a mimic of you. Mm-hmm. And so the story framework I built around this is that it's sort of a robot that, that you can control remotely, right? Um, and it, it gives you some more options for locomotion um, than most VR games do, but also leverages like room scale with, and you can sit in a chair or, or you as the camera can move around in a room. I'm not totally certain on how that will all work. Um, but the main thing I want to do is that forming this relationship with these avatars that you have to um, go through a series of puzzle rooms 
to to uh, uh, go further and further into this facility. Um, and um, but at a certain point, you have to leave them behind because there's these un, you know uh, they can only go so far and they can't reverse. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you just use and dispose many of these robots. And so it's it's supposed to have this kind of like because they they mimic your emotions exactly and they are an extension of you. I want to have this emotional relationship that is that is confronted by the reality of it. So do you yeah. do you imagine a character that is that that travels with you to each individual thing or is it like the Portal Companion Cube where it's sort of like jokingly this sort of like relationship you have with it and then you have to smash it with a compactor in order to move on. <laughs> um, but that's the notion I have. And also I, I want to have this idea of you as the player don't know what you are. Um, the game doesn't really tell you. You're sort of in a, you look down and there's nothing. You don't have an avatar in VR space. You don't see your hands in VR space. You only see the avatar's hands. So are you a ghost? Are you a, some sort of protocol? What are you in this world? Hmm. And so I want to have this sort of like this uh, sense of story discovery as you navigate through this facility um, anyway, I want to call it out of bodies because I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so the like name alone is worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the name is what where it all spouts from. Yeah. Really, is oh this. my gosh, if you have a tiny little robot that's really cute and then you have to give be done with it and go to a really ugly robot, yeah. I would be sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know that like in a lot of games, um, even games where it's not mechanically interesting, when you choose different uh, characters to control, like Civ is a good example of this. You have like that one battalion that like you know fought that battle over there, and it's like that's your battalion. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not. It's like oh, I have to fight this battle over here. I want to take my guys, right? The, the, my the, my crew. Yeah. Like no, no, no. They're not the best ones to do it, but they're my crew. <laughs> like, you have this attachment to these arbitrary things, mm-hmm. and I think I, I want to play with the way that how that works in a way that in VR you are there's this utter metaphor of this relationship you have. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. Huh. Keeps me up at night, <laughs> but I have to finish Metro Nexus first yeah. before I do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Death life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, what else do I got on this list? Um, so in my VR experiments, what I really want to do is I want to sort of like uh, complete the promise that the Wii U, uh, you know, made. Oh, yeah. Which is asymmetrical gameplay. Right, yeah. I think um, there's a couple of PlayStation VR games like this. Um, and uh, But I think because VR is expensive and PC VR gamers aren't likely to have their systems hooked up to a television in a living room. Mm-hmm. So it's harder for game designers to come up with a system that has more than one player unless it's multiplayer and you both have VR headsets. But I really like the idea of an asymmetric VR experience that is co-op. Yeah. So a couple of just random ideas. Like I think the one maybe that I can sort of get in a little detail is I'd like this idea of the VR player controlling like an out-of-control like minecart kind of thing. Um, so it's sort of an on-rails experience. Okay. And um, they their their vision is limited because of the physical space they're in. Yeah. Whereas then you have the players out, um, on the, you know on the couch watching the television have a different perspective. And then they can control certain parts of this. So they can say, okay, there's a, there's a gremlin or something coming down the track behind you. Aim at this point. And the VR player doesn't see it. They have to trust the players outside yeah. to give them directions on where to fire, what things, what machines to ah. do. So that the VR player becomes almost the, the um, they become the machine. And then the players outside are the ones with the information who then operate the machine. That sounds like that, what's that, the Star Fox game? Oh, uh, Star Fox Zero? Not, yeah, but not that one, but like the, the, the fancy demo or whatever that they came with. Oh, Star yeah. Fox Guard? Yeah, I think that was it. It kind of sounds a little bit like that. Oh, yeah? I realize that like yeah, um, in Star Fox Guard, I think you play as both the person doing the shooting and also like the person who's supposed to look at all these different cameras and stuff. Okay. But I think but that, that could be made into a multiplayer experience. Yeah. Okay. And I like, I like the way you're doing it because like I could see myself in a party setting this dude. Uh, I was playing on a VR thing and we're like, oh, no, watch out for that monkey or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but also, I like the idea of the VR player getting feedback on their performance from the other players. Oh, yeah. And less, partly, from, you don't want to derive them of any uh, interaction. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and that, where that balance is, I'm not certain. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew just came out. And even oh, though okay. everyone has their VR headset, it has a similar kind of cooperative scenario where only the captain has access to certain information. Mm-hmm. Only the engineer can control power to certain systems. And th- that sort of communication. And also not necessarily getting immediate feedback as your actions are good until you hear the captain go, good job, helmsman. You know, oh. it's really cool feeling. And I, Oh, that's awesome. And, and so it's, it's nice to know that that's possible in VR in, in other scenarios, particularly in like a really nice co-op experience. Mm-hmm. But I really like the idea of an asymmetrical experience. Um, not just with the, what you do, but also the, 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 um, the environment and the, the, the actual controls you have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the other, that one's very vague. It's just like, it should sort of work like that. I don't know. Um, and that's why out of bodies makes more sense to me be, to work on next because I, it's much further along in my thinking mm-hmm. for certain, but yeah, I, I gotta make a VR game guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just gotta, <laughs> or I gotta make a HoloLens game. That's the other yeah. thing. I have a HoloLens and I, Ooh, it's, it's, it's an expensive hobby, guys. Yeah. I don't recommend it, um, but I, I love it. I love yeah. working with it. Yeah. It's such, it's so rewarding, but it is, I mean, it's utterly impractical and I don't imagine anything is going to come of it, um, but, I, but I'm happy I have one and I'm happy I, I get to use it. Are there even any HoloLens games like being developed right now? Yeah, yeah, it's, but mostly it's, um, it's in the same scenario I'm in, which is like prototypes uh-huh. and tests. Okay. That isn't to say there aren't any. It's just that there's no market, really. Like the, yeah. the only people who have them are, are developers. Yeah. And um, it's, it's difficult. It's, yeah, and Mar- sure. Microsoft's not marketing as a gaming device. Um, and, and it's good that they haven't because it's a promise they couldn't keep, I don't think. Um, it's really hard because the field of view is so small. Yeah, it's technically, the de- it's, not, it's not a perfect product. Like for absolute, for certain, you're right about that. Yeah. Like I think the next version that they make might be in a year or two. They might have a different strategy, and then and then all the development effort that's gone in these past couple of years will that can be leveraged into making it a success. So whether it's kind of a bummer that Microsoft made this big announcement and it's very quiet now, it's probably the right choice. Mm. I don't know. I like having it, but it was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you guys like keep yourself from working on these games? Because I'm having a hard time. I really want to like you know prototype a little bit with Sledgehammer Bride in particular because I've been thinking yeah. about it a lot recently. Um, how do you <laughs> how do you keep yourself focused on what you actually need to get done? I, I guess for myself, I just I have a team, so they'll yell at me if I don't do it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so I'll I yell to, at you if you don't do it. <laughs> that's true. We, but not everybody has a mark to yell at them. It's true <laughs> to get stuff done. Do your project. <laughs> just listen to this podcast. Yes, we're yelling at you now. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, there you go. All I got to do is listen to nice game stuff. Get your stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Staying focused is hard. It is very difficult. So, Martha, how should we do it? What? Oh, um, you're not talking to the right person for concentrating on much one thing. Um, well, maybe but what do you wish you, you did better? Uh, I wish that I had more discipline for working on my projects. Yeah. Well, I guess it's okay to be a little distracted and yeah. like... Sometimes working on uh, a side project can give you insights for the thing that you're working on. Yeah, um, that's true. So I wouldn't really wouldn't worry about it too much. But if the thing that you're working on currently is really important and you want it to get it finished, yeah. sometimes shutting out the rest of the ideas in like a final push to get it done is important. Like sometimes you get into into where you have too many ideas and um, and then you just spend all your time on ideas instead of actually 
working on it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That true. makes sense. I've heard that um, it helps to write down your ideas and just put them in like a folder or something for future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do oh, that a lot. Yeah. What was the, there was this, uh, who was it? It was like some actor or something or a songwriter or something. Huh. Uh, I have no idea where, how I'd even search for this, but um, <laughs> he'd be driving in his car and he'd like think up song ideas or think up uh, movie ideas or whatever genre of artist he was. Um, and he'd say, no, come back later. If you don't come back later, you're not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be really scared to adopt that. Because sometimes I have ideas but while I'm falling asleep. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, it's a really good one. I'll remember it. And then like two days later, I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll forgot that I even thought of something. And then, and then I'll just like, I'll never know. I'll never know. Literally the morning after, I'm like, oh, dang, that was such a great idea. What yeah. was it again? Yeah. So. And sometimes it wasn't a great idea. Uh-huh. And sometimes it was. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you never so the, maybe the writing down thing is, is a good idea. Like I, that I sends that it lot. away, yeah. but like keeps it yeah, at least you a have note it. to yeah. it. We've talked about this back in the tools episode many, you know, moons ago. Man, um, we reference episodes we've done in the past. We're, that's cool. We established. Uh huh. <laughs> little pat on the back for ourselves. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, note taking apps. Uh, like I use Google Keep. That's um, right. Yeah. And so, Whenever I have a stray thought that I'm, I'm worried about and I'm like, oh, I should really like, and I start spinning it out in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Just stop. You've you're got something else you're doing now. And I just put down whatever I'm thinking in keep. And then sometimes I never go back to it. Yeah. But that is the test of whether it's worth it. Right? Mm. Be- yeah. Is, is whether you think to go back to it, um, not necessarily where you, you remind yourself again, because I think that's, that's more hit or miss and the, your brain psychology isn't going to be so reliable. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, That's yeah. true. What about like techniques to... Uh, work on something without like actually working on it. It's a weird question. Cheating. Well, yeah, sure, in a way. Um, but like, I guess uh, what I like to do when I when I when I have like an idea that I want to work on, but mm-hmm. I'm not able to work on now, I'll think about it like on a, on like a commute or um, oh sure. When I just have like a spare moment where I can't work on something, right? I'll just right. sit there and tool around with like different ideas and concepts in my head. Are there like different things that you like to do with your projects? Their future projects that you'd want to work on? that you can't work on right now that you do to like sort of work on them? You know, I will say um, this will be the second round table in a row. I'm shouting this out, but uh, <laughs> StoryForge yeah. um, is a narrative workshop we do here at Glitch. Yeah. D-Walk and Bobby run it. And um, woo, woo. that is an opportunity where I have, I've worked on Metro Nexus there, but I, it's also, it's a discrete day, right? So if you have a, if a, some random project, you can bring it. And then, or I've, I, so I brought out of bodies, this, the opening sort of story, the premise of it, really came together when I just took one of those workshops and just worked on that. Mm-hmm. And then I put it aside and, never, and have not put a lot of time into that part of it again. Yeah. So, um, you know, not everyone can come to StoryForge, although you all should. <laughs> um, but, you know, to find like a, a block of time that is discrete, like, like your train commute, right? Yeah. You know, just to say like, this is, um, you know, this is the time to work on this. I've got 40 minutes. I've got two hours. I've got a day. And then just be happy with what you can get done and yeah. only work on what makes sense to work on in a day. Yeah. So a design document. Uh, in my case, I do logos and like uh, and sort of like uh, art um, um, art sketches okay. and um, design explorations because that helps, me re- that helps me inspire me later. Um, so there, actually, I'm thinking now of a thing I abandoned long ago, which was I wanted to do a Chromecast like uh, party game mm. uh, called Applesauce. Um, Applesauce. 
Yeah, and which is uh, because when I this is a little tangent now, but when I was a kid, I used to go to Circus Pizza. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese kind yeah. of place. Yeah, and they have the Rock of Fire Explosion robot band there. Uh-huh. And I've always loved robots, and I saw so that was what I went to there to check out. And they had an applause sign in the back, and I was young, and I thought it said applesauce. Oh, <laughs> and so and all my life, it's like that's an applesauce sign. So I wanted to come. So I, that that is the, the the core of that one. But it, so when I was thinking about that game, and it was a, a, a party game where you. Um, uh, we, you, you do like fake PowerPoint presentations with your friends. Yeah. Like that was the sort of idea. Yeah. Oh, and then you, fun. Then you get applauded afterward. Um, I think. I don't even have to remember. But um, the, the, when I, what, got, what let me put that in the file folder and, and leave it till I'm ready was to design um, some iconography for it. Okay. Um, you know, it had kind of a, a Jackbox kind of genre. So I wanted to kind of think of if it was a Jackbox game, what would, what would be the first impression? So I made a logo based on that applause sign, a couple of different variations. And I thought about some structure. And then I just put it away. Mm. And and so a lot for me because of my background I I will do design work like that. Yeah. But that's not true. For, some people will say like oh it's, this is a mechanic I'm interested in I'll do a tiny Unity demo that'll take me a day and that's their way of doing that. And so ha- fine, however it is that you need to get it out of your system for now. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's a good. I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. Good way of doing it. It is tough though to uh, suddenly it's like oh my god this is going great. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. I've had that and then you're yeah. like. Uh, I mean, maybe I can just, you know, hold up on Finjan for a couple months. <laughs> no, Stephen, don't. Okay, okay. Thanks, Mark. We want to play it. We want to buy it. <laughs> Shoot. <Yeah. laughs> Self Finjan. Yeah. One day. But that too, like the, um, it's sad sometimes to yeah. to put away new ideas. Yeah. But um, but Martha, you said it. We want to we want to play it. We want to buy it. And so that not just motivating you to finish so you can move on, but finish so you can. To be proud of the work that maybe is growing a little stale right. in the moment, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, is to is to to think forward to that future and think that you will get closer if you're more focused. And it's, uh, it's putting in the time, you know. Yeah. We're on to my topic, which is Steam Direct. Um, oh yes, this is the thing that just happened. Yes, in our timeline. In our timeline. <laughs> in our timeline. <laughs> yeah, the so darkest time. Steam Direct was announced. <laughs> So if you don't already know, and you probably do, um, it was announced some time ago as a replacement for Steam Greenlight. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, it actually today, as our recording, they actually stopped taking Greenlight submissions today. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so some weeks ago for you, and Steam Direct will be open to submissions on June 13th. So that'll have passed by the time this episode yeah. is out. Um, so people will have some experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll also be a just a couple of quick facts. There'll be a 30 day um, um, waiting period. Uh, so when you first uh, um, submit your information, you have to wait 30 days for submitting a product. Mm. Okay. Um, so um, And uh, for Greenlight, Greenlight's being phased out, so no more submissions. And then Valve is going to do one final pass-through to approve the final batch of Greenlight titles. Mm. Um, and so I don't, I don't, frankly, I don't think that a voting at this point is matters. I also don't know if they're accepting votes at this point. I don't think, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, think, think, I, I think the system is just going into I feel like, uh, deep freeze. From what I heard, I remember people saying that they would get a refund on their... Greenlight. They have to go through customer service for that oh. because Greenlight is a product you buy in the Steam store. Oh. Is that you, you, it's a donation to Child's Play, oh. which is that's always been nice. Is uh-huh. It's not just Valve making money off of people's dreams. Oh, um, and that so, is cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's at least how it wasn't. It's how it's been up to now. And um, but you have to go to customer service and say, "Hey, can I get that that uh, that donation I made back?" Yeah. So maybe not the best look. For uh. it, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, um, you know, people don't pay it for that purpose they pay it for green light access so right. um i don't think uh, i think Val will just give them their hundred dollars back uh-huh. right um, but uh, so there's a couple of wrinkles to it but it seems like a relatively smooth trans uh you know uh transition that said 
where we're sitting, it hasn't happened yet. So right. uh, we don't know if there were any crazy, day, you know, some problems signing. Day one bug. Days, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the announcement, uh, which was a couple of days ago, um, where, they, where they announced the fee, the $100 fee. Um, that is something that I think people are excited about, but then some people are not so excited about. Mm-hmm. And Valve made some entreaties to say like, oh, it could be between $100 and, and $500. It could be... Five, I think it was like 5000 oh, five, Yeah, that yeah, was the range they like, gave us. Yeah. Yeah, and so the reaction to uh, developers has been largely positive. It's like, well, great, I can afford this. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And then to players, from players, it's been not so positive. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, great, now even more crap on the on you know on 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 Steam. Yeah. Um, but I think that um that I I'm a little cynical about this, but I think Valve played everybody when they're like, oh, it'd be like a hundred would be like that's way low though, but like five thousand, that's like kind of high. So it'll be somewhere in there, guys. And then even in the <laughs> announcement. They said, oh, our internal discussions decided on about 500, but then we heard from you, and we said, you know what? Ugh, I think it was all stage managed, frankly. I'm, uh, I'm being really I cynical mean, about it. Okay. I, I have no information on this, but it just reading that press release, it was like, oh, because Valve does this a lot. They really try to be your friend. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's I'm, in, I'm incredibly cynical. I think I might probably talked about this on the show before. Like, I'm so cynical of that attitude. I think we should be more circumspect. Well, the, that Polygon article came out recently. Yes. That, uh, what is it called? Um, um, Steam, Valve is not your friend and yeah. Steam is not good for gaming. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, who stole my manifesto? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought of you when I read it because I was like, oh yeah, Mark is the one who told, like, reminded me that the news thing is just an ad and it is just an ad. Yeah. I mean, uh, which isn't to say that, I mean, Steam, there's a lot of good things. Steam And Valve made Portal 2, so I can't, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. what, what are you going to do? You can't hate them. But yeah. I, I do get, there's a lot of blind love uh, for Steam. And, you know, in the, the VR debates between um, uh, Vive and Rift, and when uh, EA wanted to launch Origin and Ubisoft wanted Uplay, like, the biggest critics of things that are not Steam are, 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 are gamers in general. Because they like their monopoly, they like their, their consumer experience, right? Yeah. And but as developers, it's very frustrating. Right. You have one. You just have this monopoly to deal with. Now they're mostly benevolent. And here's an example: the hundred dollar fee. That's pretty good. So despite the fact that I'm very cynical about the way they announced it and the and the sort of engineering they did to make it they sound like the good guys. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely put a link to that article because mm-hmm. it's it's I don't know. It's even more hysterical about it than I am. The so it's read it with some grain of salt of the attitude, but. It's fairly, it, it's very well considered, I think, the, in terms of its position. Anyways, um, but the $100 fee, I think that's pretty good. I think, um, you know, as someone, I've got, a, I got a little bit of money. I could have afforded a little higher, um, but I don't like that. I think, I think it should be as cheap as possible. I don't, I don't like the idea of gates, uh, even, you know, we're all small time here. And um, I think it's very easy to want it to be democratized and then once you get in yeah you're like well now let's keep those behind me out and i yeah. think that i'm i it's i think it's i think that's a dangerous attitude and i think a lot mm-hmm. of devs who have had maybe a couple games released their reactions have been uh, they've been a little scared of the oncoming indie like uh, shovelware pile and i'm like you know what that is worth it that is mm-hmm. i think that's just worth it oh yeah i i totally agree because i don't want to spend five thousand dollars to put fingers on steam yeah that's a lot of money <laughs> uh like uh, I, I was pretty excited about this uh, announcement because yeah. like a hundred dollars is totally manageable. Oh, for sure, you can earn that money up pretty quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and like because of that, I don't have to be as concerned about like how I'm going to get this thing on Steam, especially because now Steam Greenlight doesn't isn't a thing. And before before yeah. we were talking about it, um, and my, me and my team, 
And we were like, oh man, how are we going to get this thing on, on Steam Greenlight? We have to you know, first make a business entity and all this stuff, which you have to do regardless. But like, then afterwards, you have to do a whole campaign thing to get your friends oh, yeah. and a whole bunch of strangers to vote on this game that they haven't possibly played or they maybe looked at a video and maybe they had played the demo, but like, mm-hmm. it's so much work to have to, yeah. and I make it sound sarcastic, but it's so much work to like have to go onto the website and go on to find the game and then click yes. Yeah, whereas now you just have to market your product. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. That's hard like, enough. <laughs> it's like, yeah, here you're, you're spending so much marketing time and so much dev time to campaign to not even sell your game. Yeah. To be able to have the privilege of selling your game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we had the the courts on, yep. on our very second episode to reference yeah. another yeah. to talk about Greenlight. And they had just launched Verdant Skies. And, and I don't, they had a whole campaign thing going on. Yeah. The, well, one, they had Verdant Skies on their hands. So well, it wasn't like they had a lot of things to worry about. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they went through pretty quickly. But also, they did it right. They took the time. They... They put the energy, they made the video, like that was work they had to do. And it's like, you know, and there's some benefits. You can get some audience, some attention through that process, but that should be your choice to do. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I so I went through Greenlight last year with Metro Nexus and it was, I wouldn't say it was a great experience. It, yeah. w- it was good for a while and then it just languished, right? Because I didn't have the time. And I was actively working on the game. So it changed a lot. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually I just got, uh, I got approved one day, like, Apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that's another sort of reason I've sort of been cynical of the process. It's like I didn't make any extra push. I just got to the bottom of a list that they were going through. And so um, it's, it's kind of strange because I'm like, well, I could have just waited <laughs> the time I did and just paid the same $100. Yeah. You know? All right. Like that's, that's another criticism I had about Streamlight is that eventually – uh, the way that the system worked is that basically any game would get accepted. You just had to wait long enough. Right. Yeah. And that's because the, the system broke down. Right. Right. And so it became, if it was still worked the way it was designed, then I don't know, maybe, maybe it would have been a, 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 a could have had legs, but it wasn't sustainable. Um, which is kind of sad. But, you know, the $100 fee, not bad. Right. Um, the only problem is, is like, I don't know, if you want to release on Google Play, it's $25 and that's it. You can release hundreds of games, as many as you want. Yeah. And it's a one time fee. Um, Apple's a hundred dollars a year, whether you release anything or not. So <laughs> they can, they can jump typical. off a bridge. But yeah. whoa, um, that's not nice. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is some this opinions is, coming out here. I, I'm just going to put all of my like <laughs> like browsing in, in this whole segment. Just <laughs> what else do I not like? Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, but for uh, someone someone who is developing a game, and this is probably not fair to say necessarily, but th- those are not overly burdensome with mm. that said for students uh for people with le- lesser means uh, that hundred dollars is still real money mm-hmm. and so um i almost worry that it's less a gatekeeping for shovelware and because it's so low the only people it will keep out are people who can't afford it mm. not yeah. not people who shouldn't be trying to you know what i mean mm-hmm. um who, and so it's a little i don't know Th- there's they kind of couldn't have done i think i do have to give valve like some like leeway here that like there's not really a great answer to this question yeah um well, did, did we talk about um how you can earn, you earn the money back if you earn a uh, thousand sales on Steam? yeah so once you hit a thousand in sales they just give you a hundred dollar back i think it's a thousand dollars if you earn a thousand dollars oh yes yes of not a thousand sales mm-hmm. i guess anyway, sorry <laughs> <laughs> but um if you yeah if you earn that a thousand dollars then you get your hundred dollars back it's yes. just it's it's basically um um what's the thing when you rent an apartment and you give them money. Security like a deposit. deposit. Security yeah. deposit. It's just as a yep. deposit to make well, sure that you're like legit. It's different. I think that's where the, that's the thousand dollars is their way 
of uh, preventing people from putting a game up just for like the trading card economy. Uh-huh. Like I don't know a lot about the Steam trading card economy other than it's like stupid and evil. So, well, man, that you know what? That's kind of a fascinating topic. Yeah, I, don't, I can't go into it because I don't know it. But like, <laughs> I would love to read about that. Somebody send me that. Yeah. Guys, you're listening. Let me know. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, educate us because yes. we're not going to do the research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but a lot that what happened is a lot of games got through, right. and then they made a little money with using the, the trading card system. And just enough to cover the green light cost and a little bit more, and they would do this for dozens of games. Mm. And so it was actually kind of like a racket. Um, but if you have, if you won't get that money back until you make a thousand in sales, then I think that that is kind of the gatekeeping. I think, and that yeah. I think that's okay because I think a lot of developers uh, see that money as lost. Like so, right. the fact that there's any opportunity to recoup it, I think is okay. Yeah. And it's, so, I don't know. They have a couple of different um, ways to make it palatable for both gamers and for developers. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's like because of the way they've done it. It's basically just a way to keep the the. Because I know there were a lot of like joke games that were being released. Yeah. Um, that like nobody would actually pay attention to, and so mm-hmm. they wouldn't make any money. Mm-hmm. This is just a way to prevent people from doing that in a way. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you just got money to throw away, you're going to make joke games regardless. And interestingly, I, there's n- there's no reason joke games should be barred from the PC marketplace. Like, as much as I'm never going to play them, like it's uh, I know people should be able to express. And if Steam is the monopoly, and it is. Right. Yeah. You can release things yourself, but if you want access to that market, that audience, um, then I think I, I don't know. You should yeah. be able to do things that have no chance of making money. I I, um, I don't disagree with you, and like that that's true. Like there should be an avenue for that, but I think there are other ways to uh, push your game out there than putting it on a marketplace. That's true. I suppose so. Yeah. I yeah. I guess it's like selling plastic fruits at a farmer's market. <laughs> I mean, you could sell plastic fruits at a farmer's market, but like, that's I not see why. This goes. <laughs> that's not why you go to a farmer's market. People aren't trying to buy <laughs> your fruit, your plastic fruit. I see what you mean. The, yeah. The, the, yeah, Steam is to sell you right, know, yeah. games. So, to, like, itch, yeah, yeah. itch.io um, is another avenue that people, some, a lot of people bring this up when they're talking about a competitor for Steam. And mm-hmm. It's not really a competitor to Steam because like, it's just not that popular yet. Right, right. Um, and it's mainly indie games. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to see the next Mass Effect on there or whatever. Yeah. But uh, at least not now. Mm-hmm. But um, that's another, that's like an avenue. You can put your game up there for free and you can have people like donate if you want. You can ask for donations or whatever right, else right. when you put, or um, when people get a copy of the game. But you can just put it up there for free if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like a better avenue for those more experimental or even joke yeah. games. You know, you I, the one, I think that's right. Yeah. I think the one slight difference is that if I make something that is just for a small audience of like, say, my friends, or it's a joke that like, I think, oh, maybe we'll see who's interested in this. Like, so yeah. A community I have on Reddit or something and I want to share this with. Yeah, sure. Uh, like an inside joke or something. Mm-hmm. All those people buy games on Steam. Yeah. None of them buy games on Itch. Right. So if it's, even if it's for them and not for the broader audience, Steam is the way it needs to get to them. So I think that's a, that might be a little bit of the, the, the crack in that metaphor, perhaps. Um, that said, I mean, if you are making something just for the statement, then, you know, like marketing is a whole separate concern and there's no winning there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah. We don't know like how well Steam Direct is going to help uh, game development. It's going to just, it's going to change things. Yeah. We know that yeah. for sure. It's going to change things significantly. Yeah. And there's also the relationship that Steam has, uh, or Valve rather, has with new developers as a relationship with the developer, not with the product. Yeah. So previously, if you get something through ga- uh, Greenlight and you publish it, then you just have a you just now have a license to publish games on Steam, so you can pay you know more and more. So the fee was not per game. You didn't have to do another greenlight campaign. It's once you've proven yourself, then you then you could just be a, a Steamworks partner. Yeah. And now it's a uh, hundred dollars per game. Yeah. Which I I mean that's not that's not like a ton worse, frankly. 
it's not as great. You're, you know, if you're going to release 30 games, then like, you know, you should probably, you know, spread them out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but also that's going to, what's going to happen to someone who releases two or three games and they become the next Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley went through Greenlight. Mm-hmm. So what happens to someone who their first couple of games is through Steam Direct and then suddenly they're established. They have to pay that fee later. Does EA, EA doesn't pay that fee. Like, you know, yeah. uh, uh, because it's it's meant for indie titles. It's meant to replace Greenlight. Right. But Valve is still going to curate its sort of official developers. And so does that mean that they just are now, th- that, that puts the pressure off of Valve to actually bring more of those into the fold, which might mean that there are fewer first-tier developers now. Mm. So that, and, you know, that's, mecha- he, mechanically, it's neither here nor there. But psychologically, over time, what is the store going to look like in, in a, a number of years? I think mm. for the user, I don't think they're going to know the difference between a title that got there by Steam Direct or not. Yeah. Um, uh, there's not going to be a Steam Direct page for them to see evidence that it went that they were you know they didn't go through a major publisher or something. Right. But at the same time, in terms of like how people interact with it as an entity, I think that that is going to change a little bit, and that is the unknown. I think is like is that process of a developer going from their first game that's like a a modest success for them, maybe they broke even, to the next game that's a little bit more successful. Then then what happens? Mm-hmm. Then what is the relationship with Valve after that? I can only fantasize that that's me someday. But, <laughs> you know, but I don't know. Like it's, yeah. I think that that's, those are questions that Valve is kind of almost not interested in answering. Because it's going to be a year or two before anyone is even right. able to ask that right. question yeah. for themselves. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Okay, well, sorry to bum you guys out. but Oh, this is exciting. We have a more fun, maybe faster-paced topic coming up. Right, Martha? Uh, racing games. <laughs> Martha racing can't have games. all the puns. <laughs> we should just have a pun topic. No, that's a bad idea. Let's not do that. We could bring all the punsters from the Minneapolis game dev community together <laughs> in one room. No, that's dangerous. We need to keep somebody as the designated survivor because <laughs> yeah, we can't put them all in one place because they'll be a target. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Great. So Martha. Racing games. Oh my gosh. Vroom, vroom. I love racing games. Um, I would never have guessed that about you. Yeah. Well, I like certain racing games. Okay. I don't know. I, I like, they're fun. They're like <laughs> ones that you don't really yeah, have I buy to. That. <laughs> they're like ones that I don't really think about uh, very much because they're just purely in entertainment. <laughs> right. I and mean, even the most like, I mean, there are arcade racers, but even the most complicated in-depth games don't have a lot of depth the way we think video games generally do. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of get what you mean. Don't yeah. talk about them a lot. That, that's kind of why I don't like them. Mm. <laughs> well, okay, that's not true because... Them's ra- fighting words. Yeah. Well, no, they're <laughs> racing games, not fighting games. Bad oh, joke. my Jesus. Bad joke. I'm you, sorry. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shutting it down. All right, we're done. Um, <laughs> no more nice games. Uh, um, but I, the thing I, okay, racing games, I know like when you get into them, they're probably about as deep as fighting games are. Um, but like, they're just so not you, with, okay, like, like race, racing simulators, I guess. What are their things called? Uh, like, simulators. like, yeah, like, Grand Racing, yeah, and Grand yeah. and things. Those ones are just so like, you barely interact with your opponent, it feels like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even like arcade games. Arcade racing games like Mario Kart and all that, I, I like those only because you get to like throw things at other people. Mm-hmm. You get to express your skill by um, opposing other people directly, as opposed to just you know you're better than them. Mm. Um, it's interesting coming from you, right? I know, right? It's it's like it's it, because it is still competitive. Yeah, but 
because you don't, it feels like I'm not interacting with my opponent. I just am just running or moving faster than them. I just know the track better or whatever. It doesn't feel like I'm expressing my skill over them. It just feels like I'm doing something by myself and just happen to be better than this other person. Right, right. Well, I mean, there are certain simulation games that include like drafting off the back of a car or like, you know, there's, but you are right in that that it's, um, it's about maintaining a advantage rather than pushing the advantage right right yeah exactly are we just going to bring up mario kart should we just start this is the elephant in the room yeah. <laughs> right so what are your opinions on mario kart martha i don't think mario kart is a good racing game Ooh. fight me <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah um, i don't know why is that i just feel Racing games that are really fun, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to be going through some of the ones that I really, really like. Um, it feels like you're in tune with the track okay. and like the environment more necessarily than beating your opponents, although that's part of it. Yeah. And it, for me, Mario Kart is like too silly, and also like strangely, like I don't like when you can fall off things or uh. you get stuck. You get stopped so often. Yeah. Like part right. of racing games is the flow. Uh-huh. And like going forward, and what, every time you get stopped by a blue shell or get go over, I hate stupid banana peels. <laughs> like just every every time you stop, it feels so bad. Yeah, like that yeah. to me just like, makes me go ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be about like running into a wall, or it's like when VR when you get stopped by something. That's almost the feeling of it to me. I. Yeah, I guess and the thing the maybe it's because Mario Kart very frequently is is that sort of chaos and items and yeah, freaking banana peel. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. <laughs> like, I don't mind the blue shells. I don't even mind the red shells. But like, oh man, blue shells though. No, I I do not like. Those. I'm comfortable, but banana peels. Ugh, there's too many of them. <laughs> uh, anyways, but um, but I think that thing about like knowing the track um, with Mario Kart Eight, because it's the first Mario Kart I've played in a long time. Uh, the the one for Switch, and um, I'm not great at it. Stephen can attest, but I'm okay at it. <laughs> yeah. um, I can get second place uh, if Charles isn't playing. If Charles isn't playing, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I have noticed that yeah, my favorite part of that is knowing the track. Mm. So there's a, particularly the, uh, I forget what it's called now, but like the Music Row one. Oh, uh, oh wow, I'm not gonna remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where like it's there's something really satisfying about like. Just getting hugging that curve that goes around for a really long time and maintaining that that feels very much like a racing game, but then you hit a banana peel. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it feels like a little of both. It's like you have to um, you're it's like a racing game that you have to you, that you have to fight to keep a racing game. Yes, interesting. So so it, so if it's not going well for you, then and then that sucks. But I kind of but also you impede other people's progress, so yeah. that it has a balance there, and that's yeah. super fun. Um, it's you know when you can get the up on Charles like that's a great achievement when you can like knock him with a, a green shell oh yeah because yeah. that's satisfying yeah <laughs> that's good stuff right there <laughs> but it also means that the work you've been doing to maintain your edge on the track can pay off mm-hmm. in it, more than just by itself I guess I don't know but it's not as as pure a, a racing game and so you have to. You have to want more. Yeah, I guess maybe it is. You have to just like the racing part a little less. <laughs> because yeah. even if you like it. That's why I like Mario Kart. If I were to pick any racing game, Mario Kart would probably be my favorite. Uh, but I don't like the racing part of it all that much. 
So battle mode. Yeah, battle mode. <laughs> right. I definitely, because it becomes a fighting game at that point. Yeah. yeah except in cars. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely enjoy battle mode more than I do the racing. But like, I can totally see what you're saying when it comes to Mario Kart, in that like, um, because of all the interruptions and all things, it, at those points, and a lot of times, I, I feel like the base concept of Mario Kart isn't that it's a racing game; instead, it's a party game mm. you're having a race in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll be messing. It's like it's like Mario Kart, but a racing game. Yeah, I guess it is literally that because <laughs> it's Mar- I, um. <laughs> <laughs> Tautologies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like. Because um, because you're constantly being interrupted, and that's like the goal is because they give you all these items to interrupt other players and to be interrupted by players. Like that is what they've designed the game around. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's gotten to the point where they have to design items that are specific counters to <laughs> items because the Mar- Mario Kart Eight has that uh, sound box item that is. I feel like it was specifically designed to just break blue shells. Yeah, because that's. That's like its best thing. And thank goodness, because I can't stand blue shells. <laughs> I understand why they put it in, because being in first is kind of boring, because then you're just playing a racing game. Yeah. When, you're, when you're playing Mario Kart, you're not really supposed to be playing a racing game, it feels like. <laughs> and so them having the blue shells in there allows you to have other players be able to interact with you and maybe even get you to the point where you have to start interacting with other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why they did that. But it always feels crappy when you get hit with the blue shell because you're like, I'm winning. Why are you screwing me over? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I was at the best at racing, but not the best at dodging. Yeah. 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 So you can't dodge the blue shell. So it oh, doesn't right. matter. Oh, but you can, if you have a mushroom. Is that so? Yes, you can. Yeah. You can like, if Ooh. it's a right about to fall, you can use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you can do this in past Mario Kart. Right. When it's about to fall, if you boost with the mushroom, you can get out of it. I think you can do it with certain boosts aside from mushrooms. Like if you, have a super boost or whatever from drifting. See, I all think. that sounds like mastery, and I'm not super well, interested. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, I, you know, I looked into it a little bit. Speaking of mastery, um, one of the games that I wanted to talk about is called Hydro Thunder Hurricane. <laughs> um, which uh, my boyfriend Dylan is super into, mm-hmm. um, and he was like 27th in the world, or world on some of the maps. Um, which is super cool. So shout out to Dylan. Um, <laughs> um, Hydro Thunder is uh, the boat racing game, right? Where you yes. play and speed boats and you're running through like crazy rivers and stuff. Correct. Um, except you only play as one boat because there is one boat that is the best. And that is what everyone who is a top tier Hydro <laughs> Thunder player will play. Of course. Uh, uh, and that all- is... <laughs> for all professionals yes it's in the top percentage of, of hydro thunder boats um and it's <laughs> a lovely sentence <laughs> uh and it, that is the rad hazard um which has a bug where if you are turn it sideways when you're in the air it accelerates um <laughs> wow. so that's, okay. that's kind of like wave dashing yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah and, that reminds me of Wreck-It Ralph again. Um, remember, uh, what's her face had the she was glitched, so everybody played her. Oh yeah. Um, I'm spoiling it, but I guess this movie's been out for like four years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like everybody would play her. It's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. That was a kart racing game too. <laughs> I, I, Dylan really likes that the fact that everyone plays the same boat because he feels like then it's a more true test of um, skill and mastery of, right, of right. things because you can compare really easily because. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one, no, no balancing or counters or anything. Everyone yeah, just plays the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. same map. And so he like counts the second, like milliseconds of milliseconds. And is like, oh man, 
gotta get it down faster. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny you say that because I definitely have that problem with Mario Kart because, Mar- like, I mean, I grew up with Mario Kart 64. Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. But with Mario Kart 8, you have like options of like different tires, cars, and then your little parasail thing, mm. which for some reason also affects your handling. Like there's these little like stats yeah. and I hate picking that stuff. Yeah. I just, I kind of just pick the thing that looks the coolest and like has maybe this one stat I'm concerned about. And I don't want to worry about that. And so thinking like, oh, you know, I could do better if for my play style, I pick a different car. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so like just knowing there's one overpowered one that everyone just picks is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you have restaurant anxiety and you go into a restaurant and you're like, I don't know what to pick because there's like 8 billion things. Uh-huh. But if you know there's something that you is the best or if it's like Canes where there is only one mm. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Kane, Stephen. Oh, that should be a top. <laughs> we should make a joke game about Kane. <laughs> they got to pay us to do that. <laughs> We're professionals. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, 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 I just don't know of any like racing games that I really, really enjoy. My brother is really into racing games. He mm-hmm. um, loves Gran Turismo and he loves Project Gotham racing games. Mm-hmm. And I think he really likes... I kind of wish I was in the racing games just so I could try to beat him and stuff. Because you're interested in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. There should just be a genre like that. You just beat Charles in. Oh, wait. It's called fighting games. That's what it is. But he's really into fighting, or racing games. And so he'll, uh, he'll, he doesn't like look up strategies or anything. But he just drives through the same tracks or whatever. And just gradually gets better at them and better mm-hmm. at them and things. And so I can see the appeal in it. Especially if you really think of it in terms of a time trial thing, because mm-hmm. uh, they even have that in Mario Kart. They have time trials, and you get like three months. See that that mode, like that's the one that I really like yeah. in Mario oh, Kart. Okay, because you're not, no you're one's actually really racing. racing. Yeah. yeah, you're actually uh. racing. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's interesting that way. Yeah, a lot of kart racing or kart racing games aren't. They're not super. They're not designed to be just a racing game. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's what you're battling with. Yes, I want the pure pure racing. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) Well, I don't know, because there are some, like, I don't usually like, uh, like, real cars Uh racing games aren't as fun for me. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the cartoony style, but that's basically everything. Yeah, those simulator games are just like, uh, yeah, you just spin out every time. And I'm like, you know what? Don't punish me for not having played this a hundred times yet. Yeah, yeah. It's because they're trying; they're simulations, so they're just trying to simulate the cars themselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of the appeal is being able to look at the really high detailed car models. Oh yeah, that's sure. true. I yeah. think that they're, they're, they can put all their rendering power into that. Yeah. There's not much else. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. I always have a problem with those games because you know th- playing on a controller is not ideal. Yeah. Because like if it's going to be a simulator, like. Like, I need to play it on a driving wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. And I might actually be okay with that. But most driving wheels, at least the, like, affordable ones, have, like, a 30-degree, like, yeah. give. They don't turn, like, they turn, they like, turn like, real they cars. turn, like, uh, uh, Formula One cars or uh, something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, it's designed Very to be, movement. yeah, which is, like, I don't, as I, I drive a car. Like, yeah. I, I know how to, <laughs> yeah. like, it's not familiar to me in any way. So, I, that, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I totally understand that. It's just difficult to. You're, you're mashing up against like what you actually want to do because yeah. you're used to driving and you know yeah. how to do it, but like this this uh, peripheral won't allow you to do it. You know what I thought would be great and turned out to not be great for me anyway? And uh. Martha, you might actually like this quite a lot, is um, I've, I've played uh, VR racing games in a full, full like force feedback setup, right? Uh. With the with a, a, a nice proper wheel, pedals, and a, a chair that wiggles. Yeah. And um, I hated it. Huh. <laughs> I thought it would be super fun, but it's like, I think it doesn't, it's not very immersive because 
it might be because VR headset resolution is still not awesome. Mm, yeah. But like the sense of depth that you expect from something like that is just not there. Huh. It's kind of strange. Huh. Um, it just it feels more like a simulation than playing on your couch on your television. Weird. Uh, it's I, at least to me anyway. Um, but I'd love to get your feedback on that because it, it, I'm not, it is the appeal of a racing game, the sort of just the the uh, the mastery of it, right? The 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 getting good at it, or is it is it? Would you be excited about something that was more immersive and, and a simulator? Like I don't know. I feel like the the biggest part about racing games for me is like getting a groove in the flow and feeling uh, okay. like that's almost meditative. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know what you're get, talking about. I like yeah. that. Sometimes. Oh no, I, I I totally get it. Like you get in that's and then a banana. That's field. an appealing <laughs> and then a banana feel. But that's an appealing like feel. Is mm-hmm. to just get to the point where like you're just feeling you're feeling what did you, you describe it as like feeling the road, right? Yeah, like yeah. you like mm-hmm. you really like it's like a scenic drive. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I wish I liked driving real cars better because I feel like it would <laughs> driving real cars is dumb. Like yeah. don't worry about Why it. How do we yeah. even bother? <laughs> I hate driving real cars. <laughs> I know, for real though. <sighs> we could be driving Pod Racers, like the best, oh. the best racing game ever mm-hmm. was the um, Episode One Racer, the Star Wars uh, Pod Racing yeah. game, video I game. Love that one. The one oh my god, isn't it so good? It's so great. Hard agree. Like <laughs> I, I do it's remember really that game, and I quite loved it. It's working. It's working. <laughs> that what's Anakin would always scream that whenever you repaired your pot. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. I thankfully oh, man. don't remember so good. that. Oh, oh. <laughs> just I loved the diff. Like I loved how each map felt like someone made it with so much care. Like it felt like yeah. each each race was like so well thought out, mm-hmm. and like it was really fun to mess around in that game. Like because yeah, uh, it was it's just silly in general, and so like. Me and my cousins and my brother would like go backwards on all the tracks and see if we could like go three three laps around. And some of them were impossible because there were these jumps and stuff. But we try mm. to like break the game. To oh, try I to think get I it. did that too. I did that with <laughs> Mario Kart sixty four too back in the day. That was fun. Mm-hmm. It's like the same compelling thing of like imagining your house being upside down. And like how you would walk around in it. Oh, it's like yeah. going back through this track and being like trying trying to see huh. like what things look like from the other, opposite way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember really liking that game because it it had it was a traditional kind of racer, but it had so many of those jumps and alternate paths. Yeah, and oh, you're right. Yeah. The level design was pretty good. Where it had the risk reward was nice. Where like okay, I know that will get me a little faster, but it's like the, it's a it's a tough get. Yeah, and so and then you try it and you fail, and you're like, okay, I get why I missed that one. Like, yeah, you yeah. It, yeah, that's a it had a good feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I loved um, the shop too. Like you could upgrade your different pod races and unlock. It had like a good um, unlock loop or whatever did like earning you could do all that i don't remember a lot mm-hmm. about that i don't part. either was, oh. it, was it like did i know you could pick different stuff in, cars and stuff yeah did you get all that stuff in single player because i think it was yeah just me and, oh okay and mine was on pc so oh, oh i played it on the n64 me too I, I i would imagine there must have been substantial differences i would think yeah just in that era like mm-hmm. yeah huh. and i can't remember if we could play against each other we must have been able well maybe we must have been able to play at least two players yeah okay and one like one on the mouse and one on the keyboard or something. Right. I remember looking up like how to unlock things, and I don't remember unlocking a lot of stuff in that game. Mm. Yeah, just because I think it was too hard or something back in the day. I don't. I don't remember for sure. I remember there were a lot of things that were codable in that though, like what I what I just did. <laughs> I, um, what's his face? The 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 um the guy who like gives Anakin the pod racer or whatever in the movie. 
he like hums the the, the <gasps> yeah. thing. Yeah. Wow. So much nostalgia. <laughs> I know. This nostalgia was trip was going really well for me up to now. <laughs> I don't like any of that. Uh. <laughs> That's right, because you were born 30 years old. Yeah. I was, I was, I've always been 30 years I'm old. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another game from that era that I didn't really think about until you were talking about mm-hmm. uh, that boat game that Dylan's awesome at is Wave Race 64. Oh, Wave Race 60. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. dang. That's Crap. Maybe I do like racing games. I was just, just going to say, we're unlocking it in you. Yeah. Like, mining your memory. I, I love that game. That was, yeah. it was, I don't know if it, was a, it wasn't a launch title, mm-hmm. right? But it was early, I think. Yeah. And so I played it for years because I had it for a long time. Um, yeah, that game is fun. Um, it also had... It, it, it just it looked great for this era, like the yeah. water simulation and stuff like that. And yeah. it was novel and just novel enough in the way you it, you would handle. And it, it felt sort of realistic in the way you would. I mean, it felt realistic. I doubt it really was. Yeah, it had it that also, juice. It also had different. Yeah, yeah exactly. It had juice. Uh, it had different modes and collectibles and time trial. It had a bunch of different fun yeah. stuff. Um, there was a GameCube version. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't own a GameCube, so I don't know. Is that any good? Uh, I like that one a lot. I, what was it? Ray Fresh Generations or something like that? Bleh. I don't remember what it was called. But it was, yeah, I like that one a lot too. Yeah. Um, Dang, I had forgotten that. And it had good music. I remember Wave Race 64 had good music. Yeah, I'd say so. I did like that game a lot. One game that I did like, and I mainly liked it for the battle mode, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you could race it too, I guess, yeah. uh, was Extreme G. And I played the sequel, Extreme G2. Both of those were N64 games. Mm-hmm. Um, that game also had real cool music. It was like some breakbeat music, I think. My brother will yell at me because I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> but uh, but th- that one was really cool because you were, you were basically on these cybernetic bikes set in like this distant future or whatever and you would just race through them and it had some cool gravity um effects yeah and stuff like that um it was really neat and then like in extreme g2 uh you could battle in both of them but in extreme g1 like you were always in the wheel or the the, the bikes mm-hmm. um, but in extreme g2 you had like specific battle vehicles that w- they would change based on like who you picked yeah so like you you would pick you would race as the is the bike in uh, extreme g1 but extreme g2 you would get like a special vehicle specifically designed to like battle which was really neat because it felt it made sense because i didn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to be running around shooting people in bikes but then you have this big old <laughs> tank you're like rolling yeah. around and i feel like the controls were a little bit different in both modes hmm. so well, that kind of reminds me of twisted metal the playstation game my, ah my, yeah my friend had that and i they had a battle mode ah yeah um, it did i only remember that i remember that game mostly that it showed off playstation's um poor ability to render quads correctly oh so as you were racing down the track um as, you know it sort of has that sort of triangle shape is like the road sort of skews out into the corners yeah uh, it would just sort of like it would be wiggling i'm moving my hands now with listeners like <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like wiggling weirdly because the um the playstation just could not properly calculate the uh, uh textures on those quads uh-huh. and like i hated it so much and no one else had a problem with it <laughs> Uh-huh. But I, I had a Nintendo 64, so I'm yeah. sure some of that was fueled by like, oh, I have way more bits than you or uh, something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But like, oh, I remember that's the thing I mainly remember about that game. But it had a battle mode that was fun. Yeah, I remember just a metal. I don't think I really played it much because it came out at a time that my, my parents wouldn't let me play those games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was never into the insane cloud possible. Right, so I wasn't yeah. the right audience for that game. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it still seemed like a really cool game at the mm. time. Yeah. So there are a lot of games that I, I can get into, but mainly the Bell stuff. Yeah. Another game I like that I like not for the racing, but for the reasons is Little Big Planet Karting. Oh. Which is basically Little Big Planet 
karting. It's like it's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> and I, I, I've probably played maybe three or four races of that game. I, there might be a battle mode. I don't remember. Yeah. All I did was create tracks <laughs> in that game. And it's oh, just as cool. fun and whimsical as Little there's Big Planet a, is. There's a game called Mod Nation Racers. My brothers play it all the time. And y'all yes. use uh, tracks. Oh, it oh, was an um, early. It was a PS3 game, right? Yeah, that was a PS3 yeah. game. There's one out now for PC. Oh, shoot. Trackmania? Yeah, yeah, Trackmania. My brother loves those games. Dang it, we yeah. should just have Charles on here talking about racing. Yeah, can we please have Charles on here? Charles. Charles. <laughs> Charles. Charles. <laughs> pick, up, pick up the phone, Charles. <laughs> um, Trackmania, yeah, the, I, I played that a little bit. Um, I didn't play it that much, but like I tried getting into it some. It, it's really cool. Like You can make really crazy tracks in that game. Um, and the interesting thing about Trackmania is it has a physics system that people will like exploit to make really awesome tracks mm. and especially tracks where like you don't have to press the button and you just go through them yeah those ones are cool too mm. uh there's this one there's this one uh game at hsx i think it was called where you could create your own track and stuff in that one too mm-hmm. uh that one was really interesting uh, charles made like a bunch of different tracks in that he loved that game too <laughs> so what do you guys think makes these games that we've been talking about that we love so much like what what makes them good are, are there any good mechanics things in them what are some design if people are thinking about making a racing game like what should people think about well it sounds like just based off what we just talked about today uh depends on what like you want to make if you want to make a party game you should design it with cards so you should design methods to have your players interact with one another Mm. hopefully in a less frustrating way than the banana (laughs) (laughs) no bananas no bananas (laughs) nice nice games club rule (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, I guess if you're trying to do that, then just develop some interesting ways to have players interact with one another. But if you want to design a racing game that's purely based on that flow state that uh, Martha was talking about before, uh, just design your your racetracks to be as interesting but doable as possible. I guess just yeah, mm-hmm. make it make it. I don't know, make it feel right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just make it feel right, guys. That's all yeah. I gotta do. I think there's, you know, when I think about racing games, there's always one that shows up that like, oh, that I'll play and be excited about. But I'm never inspired to ever. I feel like that's left to the people who know how to do that. Yeah. Which is weird because like that could be us. Who cares? But I always want to, for every kind of genre I want to approach, I want to come up with some like hook to it that makes it interesting in the, just the normal things I'm excited about in games. Yeah. And like particularly for like a multiplayer racing game, there's there's ways you interact, right? Like there's the you, you, either it sort of has battle mechanics, yep. right? Yep. Um, or it's just basically a straight racer, in which case it's either like too chaotic or too boring, like depending on your audience. Yeah. But there's got to be a different way to introduce competition mm. with racing mechanics. So like just spitballing, like the thing I could think of is like who, who's ever in the lead maybe can help design, or like help guide the track. So, or something like that. Have sort of a user. Uh, but then as uh, you change positions, you have to counter with, so something like just something different that uses racing mechanics, but it's not exactly a racing game. I would right, be interested yeah. in working on something like that. Yeah, that might not be the best example, but something where, um, like, instead of just uh, finding the place on that spectrum, like just circumventing it entirely. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, that would be cool. Yeah, I I don't know how you would go about doing it. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, but that would be a fascinating discovery for sure. Yeah, or, you know, design asymmetrical where you have a track designer and then <gasps> players. Oh, yeah. And then oh, I know, I, I the, the designer like... gets points for certain things. Oh, and then, okay. You know, I yeah. don't know. Um, that would be cool. 
I feel like there was a game that was kind of like that. Yeah, there's like a platformer where you have to like put down the tiles before the person as the person's like infinite running. Oh, okay. Um, but it'd be cool to make that in racing, like a mm-hmm. like a kart racer, right? Or making it a co op like experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Someone get on that. Because <laughs> we're busy with our current projects <laughs> and all the future ones that yeah, we mentioned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the end of the race. <laughs> we ah. run out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> We've made it across the finish line. I thought we were done with puns, guys. <laughs> uh, sadly, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club and your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. We need to know you're out there, guys, so uh, leave a review and tell all your friends, too. Let us know uh, what you're thinking about the show and where you want us to take it with the feedback form. How do we get there, guys? NiceGames.club slash feedback. Also, you want to discuss this episode or others, uh, you can find us on Reddit at r slash gamedev. We post our show notes there every week. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, for this episode, and that's where you can go to discuss the topics, get the links, and you know, talk to us too. Uh, so check that out. We want to hear directly from you also, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things, at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Also, tell us about what you want to make for racing games, like yeah. your ideas yeah. for that, you know, and what your future projects are, and what you think of Steam Direct. Like, <laughs> yeah. we'd, love to, we'd love to hear. You know, we do these topics on the show, and then we kind of put them in the filing cabinet, and like, I, 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 I would love to get people to go further because mm-hmm. I think we, you know, our shows are an hour long, but there's more to talk about. And, yeah. and, and oh, definitely. You guys out there are the ones to, to help us take it further. So please, please get in touch with us and let us know what you think. Uh, lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Martha, you have to do the little um, the transition song now. Oh, Not the whole song, Martha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't want to stop you. No, that's about as much as I can do. <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.